Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I got a really cool guest. His name is Brian Fletcher. Um, he is the host of the Gospel Changes Everything podcast. I know, big claim, but we'll get into that. First of all, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Teresa. With a title like that, of a podcast like that, that's kind of a bold claim, don't you think? Yeah, it is pretty bold, but I think that because God is who he is and sovereign over all things in the universe— and it's his good news, it's his gospel that he is going to impact everything in life, in the world, and in our in our lives as well. Let's step back before we talk about the podcast itself. Could you tell the audience your story? How did you even come to um, know the Lord? That kind of thing. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start back with a quick story. When I was uh, six years old, it was 1974, I was six years old, and it's Christmas Eve. I'm laying in bed. And I hear something going on downstairs. This is like probably one, two in the morning. I hear something going on downstairs. And literally, I think, you know, I'm six. I think it's Santa Claus. I think he's rustling around, setting out presents and so forth. And I'm kind of half asleep, half awake. But then my brother bursts into the room and he says, the house is on fire. And I was like, okay, so I got out of bed. I see my parents frantically running around. My dad's trying to go down the stairs. We're on the second floor and he's screaming, we can't go downstairs. It's too hot. So basically we ran into my parents' bathroom where there was a window and we climbed out the window to another roof line, jumped off the roof and ran to a neighbor's house. After that, so, uh, you know, our house was basically gutted and we had to rebuild and so forth. And after that... My dad, I think, basically had a, a nervous breakdown um, oh, wow. and kind of went from job to job after that. But my mom, a couple, came alongside my mother and led her to the Lord. And so this is the 1970s. So she becomes a born-again Christian. She is like on fire for the Lord. She's going crazy, taking my brother and myself to church every week. And that sort of started our spiritual journey. And by the time I got to high school, Again, my mom said, hey, look, there's this new thing at your school. It's called Young Life, and I want you to go to it. I had no idea what it was, but I showed up. It was at somebody's house, and there were a bunch of kids inside singing songs, and you know, there was a message about Jesus, and I felt like I belonged there, and I, mm. and I really just felt loved and cared for. So I kept going back week after week, went to a Young Life camp that summer where I heard the gospel over the course of the week, and I was like, this is the right thing to do. This is, I need, I need to accept Jesus into my heart and, and follow him. So uh, I made that commitment, came home, was involved with a small group of guys uh, and also a Bible study and my young life club at my high school and grew a lot, just grew tremendously. I think God had given me new desires, new desires to read my Bible, new desires to love my friends, new desires to, to pray and reach out and so forth. So that continued through college, where I was a Young Life leader. I met my wife. We got married, uh, worked full-time for a little bit. And then after that, we, uh, we moved to St. Louis from Richmond, and mm-hmm. I went to seminary for three years, uh, where I got my Master's Divinity degree at Covenant. And what, what seminary did you go to at this time? Covenant Theological Seminary. 
Mm, haven't heard of them. Yeah, it's the it's the seminary of the Presbyterian Church in America. Oh, okay, okay. So after that, I went on Young Life staff in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Was there for eight years. Wanted to move back home, so we uh, eventually worked our way back to Richmond, where I was again the Young Life area director for another six years, and we helped get a church plant started. And quickly decided I want to be a part of that full-time staff uh, at the church plant. So that's where I've been for the last 10 years. I will say that my time in seminary was so formative because it really helped me understand the gospel of grace. And here's what I mean by that. When you first become a Christian and the people around you, if someone's discipling you or helping you grow, they usually help you understand sort of the spiritual disciplines. Hey, here's a Bible. Here's how you read it. And you should probably read it every day, you know, and have a quiet time. Here's how to have a quiet time. Here's how to pray. Right. Here's how to memorize scripture and so forth. I just did all those things and I wanted to do all those things. But in the back of my mind, I think over time, I began to feel like my relationship with the Lord was somewhat based on whether I did or did not do my spiritual disciplines. No one ever taught me that, but I always had this feeling. I think it's partly because how we just our culture that we grow up in. It was kind of like, if I didn't have my quiet time that day, I would be a little bit worried. Is God going to love me as much or? God going to be mad at me? Am I not, you know, you know, I got to, I got to continue proving stuff to him because man, if I don't, man, yeah, I totally get that because I've gone through seasons of that myself. So yeah. Yeah. So, So one of my profs gave us this illustration. He's like, think about, Think about it on a percentage basis, your relationship with God on a percentage basis. And God loves you 100%. He fully accepts you. You are in his good graces 100%. And there's nothing that you can do to cause him to love you any less, but there's also nothing you can do to cause him to love you more because his love for us and his acceptance of us is not based on what we do or don't do. It's based on what Jesus has done by living a perfect life, dying on the cross and being raised from the dead that causes God to fully accept us 100%. But that's hard That's hard to even get your head around, much less accept. I mean, because we live in a society that demands and grades us mm. on how we've done or haven't done certain things, even within the church. Yeah, you're right. It is very hard. And that's why we say we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. So expound on that. Okay. So like, well, just simply what we're saying. So if I get up in the morning and I don't have, I don't have time to read my Bible because I got up late or I just didn't feel like doing it. We don't have to go through the day in fear of God. We go through the day and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't have time or I, you know, I, I didn't want to read your word this morning, mm. uh, but I believe that Jesus has forgiven me of that. And, and I'm going to intentionally and be proactively pursuing you today, Lord. And, and thank you that you've forgiven me and you will walk with me no matter what I did or didn't do. So that it's that gospel that we have to preach to ourselves every day, right? Because every day we're going to do certain things or not do certain things that God wants us to. Right, we're right, right. or disobedient. If we constantly live in fear of God's retribution or His wrath over our disobedience, then that that's not the abundant life that Jesus told us about in John ten ten. That's a that's a miserable, joyless 
life. But if we understand that God loves us always the same, and we believe that, so that's, you know, preaching the gospel to ourselves means that we need to believe that every day. So we need to wake up and, and sort of repeat that to ourselves and, and know that we're fully accepted, whether or not we fail at work, whether or not we, you know, are, are, you know, if my wife gets really mad at me because I didn't do something that I told her I was going to do, God still loves me. You know, whether I look a certain way or it really doesn't matter. We are fully accepted by God. What do you do then with passages where it talks about we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling and faith without works is dead? When we work out our salvation, it doesn't mean that we're working for our salvation. It means that we're living out who we already have been created by Christ to be. So Christ has fully accepted me. See, 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 the other thing too that people, the other question people have is, well, if God has forgiven all your past, present, and future sins, then why, why be obedient? What, like, why not just go and live however you want to live? Well, the truth is, if the Holy Spirit has come into your heart, you're not going to naturally want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, before you were a believer, you naturally wanted to disobey God. You naturally wanted to do your own thing and live a, a selfish life. But I, th- I really believe that when the Holy Spirit comes into us, it is, it is once and for all, right? He comes mm-hmm. into our heart he be- and he begins to transform us. And what, you know, the scriptures talk about the sanctification process. Where I'm reminded of uh, in Jeremiah where it talks about, I will give you a, a heart of flesh for that heart of stone. Yes, yes, exactly. So now th- th- this heart of stone that's been replaced by heart of flesh is beating and it's, and it's pumping blood, right? And, and, it's, and God has given us life. So, uh, you know, heart of stone is dead, but a heart of flesh is alive. And so now we've been given these new desires and so forth. So working out our salvation, really, I think what, um, what's being said there is that it's, it's living out who God has already created us to be. It's living out our identity in Christ. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm uh, I'm working with a, a guy, his name is Tim, Tim Morris. And guys, we will link to this up to his episode because he's actually come on a previous episode of Unresolved. But, you know, he, what he talks about is he runs a site called uh, designdiscovery.com. And mm-hmm. what he talks about is the idea that the church has, has, has said, well, you can't trust your heart because your heart is deceitful above all things, which is true if you're living under the old covenant, being you're already dead, therefore you don't want to deal with God. But once God gives you the new desires, he also gives you a heart to live into those desires. That's right. We've been forgiven of our sin, but we, we're still going to sin, right, until we die and, and are made perfect. But uh, you know, Romans talks a lot about this, how, how we're just being, we're continuing to be sanctified. And, and the way I think about that is that we're holy in God's sight, but yet at the same time, he's causing us to be more holy each day. We can all relate to there's certain things in our life where we used to act a certain way, even after we were a Christian, but we've slowly, and it wasn't really glorifying to God, and God has slowly been working on to remove those things. So for me, one, one instance would be this, um, and I'm not proud of this at all. This is really um, being vulnerable here, but like, you know, growing up in Richmond, Virginia, which was the capital of the Confederacy, right? There's a lot of racism in, in our city. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
to this day. And I grew up in a family that I wouldn't say was racist, but definitely prejudiced. Okay. And I had a lot of that growing up. And But I think once I became a, a, a believer, it's not that it changed overnight, but I began to see a different perspective of who God has created all people to be. Mm. And, and it gave me a, a better understanding that racism is evil, that prejudice is evil, and it's sinful. And I need to be careful of how I think about others, how I love others and how I treat other people. And the only way I can, I can say that that has changed is by the power of, of the gospel of God using his good news in me and his spirit in me to sort of root out some of that sin and begin to help me think differently in, in ways that I want to glorify him. What I'm starting to see is, you know, we kind of have these patterns that we look to go to get into Okay, I go to church, I read my Bible, I, I, I say my prayers. Mm-hmm. I might even, you know, you know, sing a few worship songs, and that quantifies their experience with God. And if I check off all these boxes, then God is happy with me. We do tend to think that way, and a lot of people do, but that's where we have to see that it's, it's this whole idea of, you know, how God just created us is to be in relationship with him. It's not out of a matter of a duty, but it's out of delight. And my favorite author, John Piper, uses the illustration. He said, what if I showed up to my own house on my anniversary and I had some flowers in my hand I, and I rang the doorbell. My wife came to the door and I said, hey, honey, I love you. Here's some flowers. Uh, this is my duty for the day. Like that's not <laughs> going to fly over very well, is no. it? No, it's not. But if I've planned out a date and I've and I've picked out special flowers and uh, I've dressed up and I've created this thing because it's, it's not just a, a duty that I'm doing, but it's a relationship and it's, and it's a relationship that I delight in. And I think that's where some people, they don't quite understand the Christian faith. They think that Christianity is a duty when really it's a delight that we get to live in each day. Just last night I had an issue where, you know, I got a little annoyed at something and I mouthed off and I said something and I had to go somewhere and, you know, the Holy Spirit just kind of tapped me on the shoulder. Hey, you really don't want to do that. Right. You know, and, right. and, and, and it wasn't a, you know, you, you, you bad, horrible person. He was just like, hey, come on, you know, you know better than that. Come on. You know, and I, I, I came back and I, and I cleaned things up and I sorted things, but to me, that is the kind of relationship that I have with God, where God can talk to me and go, you don't want to do that. The thing that I think people miss is that is that when he talks to you and you have uh, that relationship, is it's mm-hmm. gentle. Yes, it is gentle. It's a gentle reminder. Here's what I wanted to say is that it's, it's Jesus or God saying to you, that's not who you are. You're a child of God. You don't have to worry about that. Okay. You know. Your car broke down today. That's okay. I'm going to take care of you. You know, let's, let's say you, you said something to your husband that you regret. And, and, and the Lord says, hey, that's not who you are, but that's okay. I still love you. You're still a child of God. Let's go back to your husband, reconcile the relationship. And, and the beauty of the gospel, especially when two people believe it, right, mm-hmm. is that we can both come together. I mean, if you believe that you've been forgiven of all your past, present, and future sins, and the other person does too, then 
we're sort of bound to one another to say, all right, well, if, if God's forgiven you of this, then I, I can forgive you as well. Right, because, right. You know, and, you know, Colossians also tells us that we forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. Right. You know, when you talk about forgiveness, though, I think the hardest, I mean, at least in my life, I found, okay, forgiving others, eh, that's okay. Okay, I got that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's been some doozies of having to forgive some things. But sure. forgiving yourself, that's another matter entirely. It because is. you sit there and you go, how can God forgive that? I was so stupid. Part of working through some of those issues of loving ourselves is when we go to the scriptures and and we see other people that have failed. Like, you know, we we, we tend to lift up David in the Old Testament as a hero of the Bible. And he mm-hmm. was not a hero. He was a liar, an adulterer, a murderer. Like he did some really bad stuff. And so that's where you. Yeah, go. but he also wrote half of the, you know, wrote about a whole book of nearly a book, whole book of Psalms, and. Right. <laughs> right, but that's where you go. But when you go to the scriptures, you see his heart in, let's say, Psalm fifty-one, his heart of repentance and going back to to the Lord, and being able to find forgiveness in the Lord, and then him being able to forgive himself. So I'm saying mm-hmm. so when you talk about it's hard to forgive yourself, that's so true. And, and it's deep when it's that personal for us. But I think one of the keys to, to sort of overcoming that is going to the scriptures and seeing that, that God does love me. And if he loves me and has forgiven me, then I can forgive myself. But and do you think, do you think that's, that has to be a constant, especially because when you're dealing with um, really rough sins? Yes. Do you think that's a constant, like, I mean, because even though you can one day go, okay, I'm good. God's forgiving me. I'm good. Next day, same saying. You're sitting there going, oh, God. You know yes. what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah. That's why it's got to be constant. That's why we. I, I, I talk about living in the rhythm of repentance and faith so that every day we sort of live in this rhythm of repentance and faith, which means simply this, that you know, as we go through the day we and we and we fail or we sin, whether it's in our thought life or directly to one to someone else or whatnot, we we say, Lord, that's not who I am. That's not who you've created me to be. I'm sorry. I want to turn away from that sin, repent of it. I want to turn away from it, but I want to turn in faith to you. Mm. Thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, work in my life and in my heart so that I don't do it again, right? And I think, again, that doesn't happen. Like, so that happens, but we live in that rhythm of repentance and faith because you're right. There are some sins that are very stubborn in our lives that are, <laughs> that just dog our feet. And so we have to live in that rhythm of repentance and faith. And I think over time, the Lord will slowly work through that, uh, work us through that sinful habit or sinful pattern or whatnot. I, you know, again, some are so stubborn that God involves other people in our lives to help us through that, you know, whether it's through counseling or just a good friend that's holding us accountable to certain things, you know. Oh, I can't, I cannot tell you how, how needed an accountability person is. Even if you're not struggling with a really annoying little sin, you need at least one person in your life uh, that is, that is, that, that, that knows you, that loves you and that cares for you. And then is able to hold you accountable for, you know, yeah. for your walk with God. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, that is right? so crucial. 
right? To encourage you. I mean, sometimes we need a, a, a swift kick in the pants, but sometimes we just need to pe- people to say, I love you and I want to work through this with you. I want to help you work through it. And mm. I'm going to be your friend, even though you keep doing this, right? Yep. Um, you know, and there's certain things that we get stuck in. You know, some people struggle with alcoholism. Some people struggle with pornography and, you know, some people struggle with, let's say racism, whatever it is, right? We have, there can be sort of these besetting sinful patterns or habits and we need to love people through those. Again, it's not that we allow them to continue to sin and not say anything. We say something to them and we talk through it with them, but we help them along the way. It's not. You talked a little bit more about the, 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 your, your time in the church and you talked, you know, we talked about kind of your understanding of the gospel and of, of, of our daily need to be reminded of it. But how did you end up in a podcast? By nature, one of my gifts is teaching. I get a chance to do a lot of that around here. So I'm the associate pastor, not the senior pastor. So Mm -hmm. we have our senior pastor preaches most of the time. I preach probably every six or seven weeks, which is great. But teaching is sort of my, my wheelhouse. So a podcast, at least for me, was a way that I could give back and help people understand what the gospel mean is and means and how it applies to us. So it's just my way of teaching regularly a little bit to a wider audience. So, you know, I obviously have an audience here at church, which is amazing. I love mm-hmm. our church, but I've always had a desire to continue to, to reach out and, you know, the internet reaches everyone in the world, literally like it's, it's unbelievable what the internet can do. positively and negatively. There's a lot of junk on the internet. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put something positive on there that's glorifying to God. And I'm going to be a part of redeeming the internet back to Jesus. And so if I can do that for five minutes a week, then that's what I'm going to do. I try to get my wife to listen to the podcast every once in a while. I mean, she, she does listen to it, but like when we're in the car just to get some feedback. And the last time we did, she's like, man, you were just made for a podcast. Like that's just, <laughs> you know, I, just I just like to, to, to share these thoughts with people and it, and it gives me that outlet. So, you know, I don't have a huge audience right now. Uh, it's a very small audience probably, mm-hmm. but that's okay. One, it helps me grow in Christ as I prepare the podcast. So there's a win there. And then if, even if one other person is encouraged from the podcast, then that's a win there. So it's a win-win situation, right? Now, hopefully it'll grow and people will share it and, and everything, but whether or not that happens, that's not up to me, you know, that's up to the Lord and, and how he wants to use it. Amen. Amen. Well, Brian, do you have any other like parting pieces of guidance or, or any last thoughts for the audience before we uh, call it quits here? Yeah, I, I would just say that, you know, the gospel tells us that God created us in his image and he created us to live in relationship with him. We've broken that relationship through our sin and rebellion. We've decided to live life on our own, but God has intervened and uh, sent Jesus, his son to come into the world to fix this problem, to reconcile us back to him. And he does that by uh, Jesus living a perfect life, obeying all the commandments, dying on the cross where he bore all the wrath of God, right? Romans tells us there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
so that we don't have to feel condemned if we believe in Christ as our Savior. And so God has come and he's fixed that through Christ. He wants us to put our faith and our hope in Jesus. And now we we get to live that out every day. And so my encouragement is to, to believe, really, to believe that Jesus has died for you, that your past, present, and future sins are forgiven, that you are a child of God, that you can be encouraged that no matter what happens to you today, God's going to take care of you. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you today is that you die. <laughs> and then right? if you die, you go to be with him. Yeah. Exactly. So how, like it, we have the best life ever if we have Christ as our savior. So let's continue to remind ourselves of that every day by being in his word, loving other people, encouraging other believers and the people that we're around uh, and just living out this gospel. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.